Hey there! Welcome to Imperfectly Pollyanna, a podcast where we have a real and honest talk while finding the good in the imperfections, whether in homeschool, faith, health, or overall life. I am your host, Courtney, a faith-filled homeschool mom of two, certified health coach, licensed medical professional, and eternal optimist. I am so glad you're here. I hope that this moment finds you in a good place, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. However, if by chance you are struggling, if you have had thoughts of depression, anxiety, anger, confusion, and even doubting that anyone is in your corner, if you have even found yourself questioning your purpose in life, If you are a believer and you have felt like you must be doing something wrong if you are still struggling with things from your past, today, this moment, this episode is for you. I had the absolute honor of meeting and interviewing my now new friend, Elizabeth Verver, a few months ago. And if anything that you hear in the next few minutes touches your heart, and I am positive it will then I want to encourage you to please share it with someone else. Elizabeth and I had such a great conversation that I didn't want to edit anything out. Because of that, I decided to make this a two-part episode. Today is part one, and I promise not to make you wait too long for part two. I do want to give you a heads up that while this interview will definitely leave you blessed, inspired, and encouraged, it does hold some heavy topics that maybe, dare I use the word, triggering. There won't be tons of details on that end, but I felt like it was my job to take care of you in any way I can. Elizabeth is a passionate pursuer of the heart and presence of God, a loving wife to Frankie Verver, and a devoted homeschool mom of four beautiful children from ages 11 to 15. Her story is one from darkness to light, depression to joy, and hopelessness to beyond hope in Him. She desires to see people from all walks of life reach their highest potential in Christ, be completely set free, and discover the God-ordained dream He designed for them. Elizabeth speaks at conferences and Bible studies, preaching the Word of God and power and boldness. She is the author of No More Darkness, a memoir of her journey. You can also find her blogging monthly on Spirit Fuel, and I will put all of the links on how to connect with her in the show notes. So without further ado, get ready, friend. You are in for some powerful talk today. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here today. I am just really looking forward to the conversation. Your story is so powerful. And just finding out more about you whenever we first started talking just made me say, okay, let's let's share this story because it needs to be shared. And I know that that's a passion of yours. And so I would, you know, I would love for you to just go ahead and tell the listeners your story and a little bit about your background. Okay. Wow. I always feel like, uh, when I'm sharing this story that it's sometimes like, 
you're talking about somebody else's life because when you're so on the other side and you're sharing that that vulnerable place and the things that you've gone through and and how good God has been in your life it's almost like was that really me I mean that has to be somebody else's life because I don't even identify with that anymore or or feel that way and um so I actually struggled with 13 years of severe depression with suicide attempts episodes is what I've called them. I've had, I had three major episodes in my life. And a lot of times we hear about that being before our lives are changed and we become Christians, but it wasn't that way for me. Yes, I had a lot before, but then even as I was born again and I became a believer, I still had the other side. And I didn't understand that because it it made me feel like there was something wrong with me. And I felt, you know, a lot of shame in that. Um, I was a leader. I was people that were, you know, I was standing at the front at the altar praying for people to be healed or to, to be helped. And yet I was struggling with wanting to live. And, and I felt a lot of shame about that. Like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have enough faith? And so I just want to say to those people right now that feel like you're in that place. You're a believer. You should have enough faith. You shouldn't struggle. I always say, I want you to be okay that you're not okay right where you are. Just to know that it's okay to say, you know what, I'm struggling and I'm not okay right now. Just know I understand that place. And I just want to let you know that it's okay. And then I'm going to give you some good news because you don't have to stay in that place. God has so much more for you. And he is so able to do. And what I'm going to share with you is really impossible. Because I, I was on Life Today TV. And I was sharing my story with uh, Robinson his son. And he was like, what was so amazing, Elizabeth, about your story is that I know veterans of faith, like women of faith that you think, oh my gosh, they can move mountains with their faith. And yet this specific person is still after 50 years struggling with anxiety and depression. And she's a woman of faith. And yet you're not. You You said that you don't even have those thoughts anymore. I really don't. Like I haven't since the time I've, I've gone through just healing and all that. I have never thought in a place where I was so hopeless I wanted to in my life because now I absolutely love life. I couldn't imagine not enjoying life or living and getting to see my kids grow up. So I don't even, I can't even understand that that was my life. And he said, Why do you think God did that for you? And man, that question really, it really threw me because I wasn't ready to answer that. I was like, you know, I'm nobody special. I'm just somebody that he picked out to to love, you know? And so I was just like, man, no one's ever asked me that. And so I sat there a minute and I was like, you know what? I don't really have the answer to that question. I don't know why God does it this way for some and and this way for others, but I do know that he said our testimonies bring people hope and they bring people inspiration that they can too. If God did that for somebody, you know, you hear how God provides for somebody or he does something amazing for somebody and you're like, well, he can do that for me. That's my story. 
because I did not see ever being free from depression. I really didn't. I thought that was something, maybe that's my thorn in the flesh. You know, you hear about Paul who had the thorn in the flesh and you're like, maybe that's just something I'm going to be stuck with. And I'm going to have to learn how do I live and how do I survive despite this thorn in my flesh? And so I had kind of accepted it, you know? And so I didn't have an answer for that, but I had a conversation with my husband after that interview. And what he said was like, that's it. That's it. That's why I said, Hey, why do you think God did that for us? There's this person and that person, and they have so much more faith than me. Why would he do that for me? And he said, you were available and he wanted to prove that he can. God wanted to show that something impossible is possible. And you said, yes. And I was like, that's it. He just wants to show that he can. So I want you to know, it doesn't matter what doctors say. It doesn't matter how long you've been on medication. I was on medication probably for six months and I'm going to go into all of that, but I didn't want to accept that. I refused to accept less than what Jesus died for me to have. And when you begin to understand life and life more abundantly, that's our promise. To me, being on medications, struggling with being happy, that didn't sound like life and life abundantly. So I didn't want to um, settle, I guess. I'm a fighter about like, no, I'm gonna do what can't be done. And, And God's able to do that. So let's go for that. And plus, I didn't want my kids to have to go through that. They had already been through enough when I was healing and dealing with, you know, uh, I, I tell this story. It got so bad. Anger got so bad. And you know what I found out about depression, y'all, is that depression a lot of times is these under the surface emotions that you're not dealing with. You know, I was angry about my dad leaving when I was nine years old and my whole family falling apart. And it made me feel like, man, that messed me up. You, you made my life to be jaded and I wanted to blame somebody and, and be angry about it. And then it would make me feel hopeless. Well, I can't do anything because of this. I can't do anything. And when I started to get over that, you guys at 19 years old, I trusted a relative, like very closely as a father figure who took me in and they took me into a mansion and was like, here's all that you can have. You want to go shopping for any kind of clothes you want and took me to high dollar restaurants, things that I never thought I would be able to do. And yet at one point drugged me and raped me and took my freedom And then if I was going to be pregnant was like, you know what, you'll just get an abortion. I'll pay for it. Like I was a piece of nothing, like a piece of garbage. And so then if you're already feeling that way about yourself, that just really pushed you down. Like, well, there's nothing that's ever going to come of me. And that's pretty much where I was at and, and where I was trying to get up every moment of my life and then feeling powerless to do it that you almost are like, I don't matter, just go ahead and end it. And I actually attempted at 15 years old um, the first time, and that's before I, I was raped, but you know, I felt like my dad didn't love me. I mean, here, he was the one I most identified with. 
And I didn't identify with anybody else in my family. I was the musician and he was the musician. I love music. And he had dreams of like doing more. And my mother just didn't agree with that. And so I felt like without my dad, nobody gets me. And so I just felt really lonely and, you know, it felt pointless to me. So at 15 years old, I sneak into the medicine cabinet. I grab two bottles. One is full, one is half. And I take them all. I didn't think twice about it. I'm in the bathroom. Everybody goes to bed and I'm like, that's it. This basically my mantra was life sucks (laughs) and I don't want to be here. And that that's what I did. Well, I ended up like within probably 60 minutes, probably an hour, my whole body is like shivering. And now I'm, I'm really going to die. And at this point you realize, man, I just don't want to feel like that anymore. I don't want to die. It's like all of a sudden you feel stupid and you're like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I do want to live somehow. And so I ended up, I can't walk. And I end up like crawling and I was upstairs. So I end up crawling down my stairs to get to my mother's room with everything in me. And I hated school. So I always played that. I don't feel good. Too many times I cried wolf. She didn't believe me. She's like, go back to bed. You're going to school. I'm like, no, but but I felt too ashamed about what I did. So I didn't say anything. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go back to my room and she's not going to, I'm not going to be alive when she wakes up the next day. And here we go. So I made it to my room and I'm lying on my bed. And I just remember thinking, I don't want to die. Like I didn't believe in God. So I didn't think to like pray, you know, help me live. I'm just like, Elizabeth live make it, make it. Well, I did make it the next day. You know, I had stayed up throwing up everything I had dry heaving and then passing out. Um, and I did wake up the next day and that really made me feel like, man, maybe I'm supposed to be here. Like, I don't know the purpose yet, but I'm supposed to be here. So I distract myself with things I love to do. And I started dreaming about, you know, making a life for myself, you know, so I I throw myself into music and I get this dream about Broadway, you know, the the teenagers, let them dream, let them dream big. If that's going to give them some sort of hope of something more, let them, let them find their way. So I found my way in music and I dreamed about stages and I dreamed about, I'm going to make this happen. So I work my butt off. I mean, I, I work my butt off, like I'm going to learn to master this and, and I'm going to do something. And so I end up doing that for about two years and I get to the point where I can audition for colleges and I'm getting callbacks from like major colleges, OU and, and all these other places. And I settle on one with half of the scholarship and I can major in what I want and minor in other things because my mom's like, have a plan B. Listen, you don't have to have a plan B. You can dream as big as you want to because I always say you have one life. You might as well go for it. You have one. Don't waste it. And I wasted it a lot. 
on hopelessness and living in the past. So hopefully after you listen to this, you're you're like going to get out of that, you know, and it really comes with facing it, dealing with it. We want to run. I was a runner. I was running from this and running from that because I didn't want to deal with what was inside and how I really felt. And so 19 years old, I like right before all of that happened, I graduate. I'm going to go to this college. And on my birthday, my transportation blows up. My car blows up. Catches on fire. It's over. It's like you. And and remember, that is now what I put my hope in. So I had some sense of purpose at this point. And it was like, not my, my car up in flames. It was like, this is my hopes. This is my dreams. I lost it. And I couldn't handle it at this point. You know, I, I decided with a friend that I was going to go to California and just party my life away. Some of y'all, I'm going to age myself. You remember the Y2K, like the world's going to end kind of stuff, right? (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, I've got my last check. I'm going to buy a ticket to California with my friend. I'm going to party my life away. At this point, I got kicked out of my house because I'm out of control. But no one ever asked me, what's wrong? No one ever asked me, what, what do you, why are you behaving like this? Or, or what's really the matter? Because at this point, I felt like my whole life just fell apart. You know, I, I saw no way out of everything that I was living in. I grew up poor, like poverty, single mom, six kids, welfare, infested homes. You know what I'm talking about? I wanted out. And so that was my way out. That was my ticket. So at the point I get to California, it's I'm done. I I take anything, everything. That is a blur. (laughs) And I end up overdosing and nobody, because there's so many people there. Nobody even knows. Nobody, nobody even knows, like I died. I can remember having this moment where my friend, I had lost her somewhere in the crowd and I was looking for her because I mean, that party scene was way out of my comfort zone. I was a little scared and I didn't know half of the people there, you know? And so I'm like, where is she? And I remember this feeling of like, I could see over the whole room and I could see my friend over there. And I'm like, there she is, there she is. But then I could also see me. And that may sound crazy, you guys. I know it sounds crazy, but I knew at that point, you did it. You're, you're out of here, you're dead. And then I saw myself and I was like, man, you're just like your dad. You're an addict. What are you worth? And all of a sudden, I could feel like, I don't want to do this. There's got to be a way out. I want to live. And the next thing I know, I'm awake and I'm completely sober. And I'm looking around like, these people are idiots. <laughs> you know, because when you're the only sober one in the room, you can kind of see like, oh my gosh, they're acting a fool. <laughs> And I'm thinking, I got to get out of here. So fast forward, that's where I ended up moving to Texas. I got a call that I had a way out and I could go to college because I knew if I could just go to college. I could be somebody that was like drilled into me. 
And so at that point when I was raped and I did come forward and nobody believed me because you're talking about a millionaire who helped so many people and their money was more important. And a lot of my family, they didn't really say anything because they didn't know what to say. And here I am, you know, the troublemaker, who's going to believe me? And so I leave and I'm in a state. I don't know anybody. I'm starting over. I just had my car, which he owned half of it. And y'all, that was the hardest time of my life. I end up homeless trying to make it. I meet my fiance and we're just struggling. My dream is like, if I could just have a place of my own to get high in and talk about dreaming big, right? <laughs> I, like I said, I can't even imagine being that person anymore. And at 21 years of age, my husband gets pulled over and he goes to jail and my car's impounded. And I'm left, you know, I, I'm staying with this friend and interrupt me if, if you want to talk about anything, but I'm just telling you, like, you can do anything you are there. There's so much potential inside of you. If you're listening and you're like, I could never overcome that. Yes, you can. You can, especially when God gets involved in your story and see God wasn't involved with my story yet. He's kind of sitting back. Like, I wonder when she's going to get tired of, of trying, you know, cause I had tried and tried and then ran away and ran away. And it's like, I need a savior. I need a savior every day of my life. And now I get up and I can't help but thank God to be alive. I love life. It's the complete opposite. And so here I am uh, trying to make it. I put kind of my hope in this new person I met. You know, I was always looking for someone to help me because it was too much for me. And so he's ripped away from me. I can't get him out of jail. Whatever happened with him, he'll have to tell you his story. <laughs> but um, his bond was 100000 cash. And I'm feeling like I can't be with the, the love of my life. Really, I don't even know how to love this person. You know, I, I can't even love myself. And so he ends up talking to somebody while he's in jail about like, she's about to be kicked out of the place she's staying. Cause like I said, a friend took me in while he, when he got taken to jail, she's in the middle of a custody battle for her kids. And she's like, I hate to do this, but you have to leave. And I'm like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And she's like, I don't know, but my kids that that's, that's number one in my life. And you're going to have to figure something out. So it's go back to everything that I ran away from or stay here and somehow make it. And being together with this person that I was like, I could maybe have a future with. Cause I, like I said, I couldn't see beyond living at this point. And um, so I didn't even think about marriage because for me, it was, it was hard. It was hard. Like, trying to think of living the next day. That, that's where my mind was at is like, when am I going to give up and try to end it again? Because I can't deal with it. Basically, what you'll find with addiction, and maybe somebody who's listening, you have somebody who's on that spiral with addiction. Oh my gosh, I've been there, you guys. 
and addiction is really an escape. What they're escaping from is these traumatic places and places of pain that they don't know how to deal with. And so the only way to deal is to be high. I did not know how to function outside of being high because reality would hit and I couldn't handle reality. And so I would want to die. And so try to put yourself in that person's shoes. Sometimes we look at the people with addiction and we want to be like, why are you doing this to me? You don't love me. You don't care about me. But understand, they don't know how to cope. They have to numb what they feel to survive. And maybe that's going to help somebody, you know, because that's addiction is epidemic. It's not just mental disorders and, and things like that that we're dealing with. Then we have addictions because really we need a savior. And the human soul goes through so much pain and so much trauma in life that the only way you're going to make it is by a God who can move beyond what we ever thought possible and heal places, but you have to confront those places. See, when I was born again, I thought, okay, everything's going to be great now. I'm born again. My savior's here. They said life is good more abundantly, but it wasn't working like that for me. And so then I thought, well, oh my gosh, even God can't help us. But I had to learn how to get in his word and see the possibilities. And when I started to get a picture of the possibilities, then I knew, okay, they talked about like, God says this and God says that. God speaks to us. Like that was crazy to me. I'm like, isn't that schizophrenia? <laughs> you have to understand I was not raised in church. So I'm like, what is this new world? But the first time I ever heard that still small voice was when I tried to take my life for the third time. And this is where I am in a trailer before I met Mama Kay, who took me in. And this is right before he went to jail. We ended up at a drug house. Like I said, there is too much to tell. You have to read it for yourself. When somebody's like, tell your story, I'm like, uh, where do I begin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you want to hear? Broken? hopeless, surviving to thriving, full of joy, full of life. And there's one middle God. Mm. That's it. That's mm -hmm. my story. God is my story. I didn't believe in him. I didn't think that he was real. And if he was real, I thought he doesn't really care about us much. I know all those questions where you're like, well, if God is real, then why this and why that? I don't know all those answers. And I don't pretend to know all those answers. All I know is I can lead you to a savior who can love you back to wholeness because that's what he did for me. He loved me back to wholeness. All the places that life tried to break me down and people tried to define my worth, God showed me my worth and he can do that for you. You don't have to be defined by what you come from. You don't have to be defined by, see, that makes me want to cry because that is so much possibility, right? You don't have to be defined by what has happened to you. You get to be defined by how God created you. And he says in Psalm 139 that you were wonderfully and beautifully made. That's how he created you. But I didn't know that truth. 
Nobody told me that. I was blinded to that. So I had to find my way to that truth. And it says that the truth we know is really what sets us free. When I began to know that I was beautifully and wonderfully made, then I could live in that truth. I'm beautiful. Not Life didn't get to take away my beauty. And I'm wonderful. And there are great things inside of me. And I didn't get to know that right away. But I kept on because he showed me what was possible. And so what you're supposed to get today is what is possible to you. What is possible is a life beyond addiction. What is absolutely possible is a life beyond depression and suicide and struggle. It can even be relational because all these traumas in our life, they show up in so many different ways. But if you get to the root of it, that's when you get to really experience the life that God has for you. But I want to say this. I know for a fact you can't do it without him. I tried. And so many people do try. And it's, that's, not, that's not weakness. Saying that I can't do it without you is actually strength. You get to experience and find a strength beyond anything that you're capable of. And that's when life gets really fun and really exciting. So, some of the comments that people say to me, you guys, sometimes I'm just like, if they only knew, like, I just kind of have this secret conversation with God. They're like, you are one of, one of the most enthusiastic and joyful people about life I've ever met. And I'm like, Lord, if they only knew, <laughs> if they only knew the truth, you almost feel like an imposter. And you're like, if they only really knew who I was, but that's the difference he can make in anybody's life. And you just have to see the possibility. And that's what he brings to life. You just have to see the possibility. Wow. If you thought this has been good up until now, just wait until you hear the rest of the story in part two. No matter where you are in your life right now, even if you've tried all the things before, You've trusted people, you've gone for your dreams, you've even given faith a chance, and it has all completely let you down. If you've gotten to this point and are still listening, then you sure have some hope left that there is a possibility in your life being turned into light, joy, and pure freedom. It is possible. I am hoping this podcast reaches those needing encouragement, support, community, someone in their corner. If that's you, you found a friend. If this has touched you in some way, please share it with others who you love and care about. Part two is coming next week, but until then, you can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or send me an email to Courtney at imperfectlypollyanna.com. I will put all of that, plus how to connect with Elizabeth in the show notes, or you can also find her at elizabethverver.com. Remember, you are loved, and I am so glad you're here. See you next time.